0: You think you know me. Welcome
1: welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, but you already knew that. Joining me this week, it's a Ryan's Wrestling Recap Edition of fixing the talk sports so you know who i've got in for this week's pod it's gonna be nick brown and dan sadik how we doing boys
0: good man hey you know we out here we out here ready to talk some wrestling
1: fendi so <laughs> we we've had a couple of pay-per-views go down since i last did a ryan's wrestling recap we had wwe fast lane go down this past sunday and a couple of weeks weekends ago, we had AEW Revolution. So let's start off with that one. We'll get some thoughts on the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, it started off with a match on the pre-show. That was Riho and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and Maki uh, Ito. Uh, there was a solid kind of pre-show match, nothing crazy going on here. More of a just going to set up a match on TV between Thunder Rose and Britt Baker, uh, which we can get into more uh, towards the end uh, when we're talking AEW. But we kicked off the main card, the pay-per-view, with the AEW Tag Team Championships on the line, the Young Bucks defending the belts against Chris Jericho and MJF of the Inner Circle. This one was pretty solid, a a pretty good way to kick off the match. You had Jericho and MJF being best buds, MJF kind of working somewhat, uh, being the snake of the inner circle. A lot of the members not really trusting him too much and trying to prove his worth to Jericho. And there were definitely a lot of occasions where, uh, towards the end, where I thought maybe they are the Bucks were going to lose the belts. Uh, but in the end, uh, Jericho missed uh, hit it, He missed his finisher. Uh, he hit MJF's body guy, Wardlow, instead. And the Bucks hit their Meltzer driver finisher on Chris Jericho to score the pin. So, fellas, I'll start with you, Nick. What were your thoughts on the opening match of the card?
2: Uh, well, per usual, AW puts on fantastic opening matches. Um, I don't have too many, I didn't have too many issues, but I think the only glaring thing that I guess I missed uh, or there was a lack of, in my opinion, um, we had seen the weeks prior Jericho and MJF doing some of the best heel work I think pro wrestling has seen in quite some time. Um, definitely citing how they messed with Papa Buck and literally made him bleed on national television. Obviously, not real blood, um, but it's there was just <laughs> kayfabe, Drew. Awesome. Can't break kayfabe, but nonetheless, you had this intensity going into this match. You know, the Young Bucks were kind of it, what the story they were trying to give you is that the Bucks were trying to fight for their father and. That's a super emotional angle to take. And the one thing I just didn't see in this match was a lot of like emotion and fire from the Bucks. I mean, it was a great match. They did all their their usual stuff. It was great. And then after the match, you saw them like, um, talk, you know, I think you could hear Nick Jackson being like, that's for our father. Like you could hear him mouth or you could see him mouthing those words. But I just didn't see a whole heck of a lot of it during the match, and that that was. Other than that, it, I mean, it was a fantastic match itself. I would have just liked to see a little more, as uh, the wrestling people in the industry say, psychology. <laughs> um, but I do. I, I I will say there was no real moment in this match where I really thought the Bucks were going to lose, just because of how it really seemed like the inner circle was being built up to eventually get broken down as we saw on the following dynamite. So I was pretty confident that this was kind of just a match to slowly get to that point for the inner circle while also trying to make the young bucks look really good.
0: Okay. So if you don't mind me bumping in here, I'd like to also just preface, you know, my takes here with someone who's still fairly, you know, new to AEW. Like, you know, I have been watching, you know, here and there since they really first came to be um, back when they were doing like Double or Nothing and All In when they first first started. Um, And so, like, for me, like, I'm still trying to take in the product and pay-per-views and like, you know, trying to make sure I'm not just watching for the sake of watching. Like, I'm going to watch because i want to watch and going into this i watched the dynamite right before that wednesday before and i was sold i watched the whole dynamite i was like i'm i'm spending the 50 whatever it was uh i'm gonna watch revolution not just for the announcement of who they were bringing in but you know i want to see these matches i want to see the exploding barbed wire death match and all of that but again I didn't know that they were going to start off the card with uh, Young Bucks and MJF against uh, and MJF and Jericho, and again, I remember you know you know I was texting with Ryan too during some of these matches, and I, I just enjoyed it. It was like just good fun, you know. The spots that the Young Bucks do, you know, especially from those stereos, were really nice. Um, some some close uh, near falls towards the end, which you know, like Ryan. You know, had you guessing at one point, like, are the Bucks going to really drop the titles here to MJF and Jericho and they're going to keep going with this thing with with them too? But yeah, overall, my only complaint, like, and I think this would be consistent about, for the most part, I wouldn't umbrella the whole company, but there's times when I feel like they could let something breathe just a little bit more or like, you know, maybe... Yeah, I'd say breathe, you know, because, like, sometimes I feel like the transitions are pretty quick, um, where, like, they don't give whichever, you know, opponent, whoever, enough time to, to really sell what just happened, which, again, you know, I don't know, it's just a different style. Maybe I'm just used to more of a slow-paced action with, uh, you know, the WWE over the years when it comes to that, but, but just a little bit, I don't know, it just kind of... I noticed it a little bit, and also there was a quick match at Dynamite, you know, the Wednesday prior that I forget which two guys it was, but it was like one of the quickest tag team matches I've ever seen. Like they just cleaned up; it was like blink of an eye, and you're like, "Holy shit!" I don't even know what just happened. Was well,
2: that any different than the eighteen thousand squash matches you see on live WWE television?
0: So it's it's different. I'm not talking about a squash match. I'm talking about. I'm not saying the WWE does, like, a fantastic job at this. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, you know, you can tell when, you know, a move is, you know, is being allowed to breathe. Like, oh, you know, you notice a big move, right? You know, impactful move. Like, say, it's just, you know, one of their more, you know, it's, like, out of the ring. It's with a weapon maybe. It's off the turnbuckle. And you think they should be down just, I don't know, a few more seconds or... Mm. sell in a different way i don't know i'm I'm not i'm not saying AEW sucks at it i'm not saying wwe is like michael jordan at it but i'm just saying that you know there is it just to me the naked eye and it's not all the time but there is a little bit of that and i've talked about this with you nick and maybe ryan a little bit too about there are some things about AEW that i feel like yes it's unique to them but also, there's some things that can be polished and cleaned up a little bit that won't hurt the product. Like
2: oh, just for sure. Going to commercial sometimes
0: things. it just doesn't come out that way. But again, we're talking about the pay per view Revolution, Young Bucks in, uh, against Jericho and MJF. MJF is impressive as hell because so I've watched like his interviews and stuff after that. Like the ones he did with Barstool, like like Brandon Walker and stuff like that. That interview was fantastic by the way. Yeah. I would highly recommend watching it. That's 20% yeah. of your time that is well worth spending. Dude, he, he no joke, is talented as hell. And he's young. He's good on the mic. He's huh. obviously a, he's really good on the mic. He's a really good wrestler too that again, I feel like there's just certain things like A guy like him, he it's not like he's been in the indie circuits, you know, since he was, like, 16 or anything like that. But he's someone that over time, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, maybe he could have sold that. His, You know, he didn't look like he was going through any, Whatever. I'm just speaking in general. You know, some things in my mind can be touched up a bit. But that match hooked me, you know, line and sinker. You know, you're going to start off the pay-per-view with guys I know, Again, as a casual and good spots with good near falls, I'm sold, you know, then I'm already saying, I'm glad I spent the 50 because whatever happens now, like I'm going to be invested. So it was a very good start to the pay-per-view and it already made me happy. I spent the money I did.
1: Yeah. And I thought it was a really good way to kick off the show too. So we were in agreement there. I do agree with what you're saying, Dan. You know, and that's that's kind of, uh, I'm not agreeing in the sense of that the moves necessarily need to be allowed to breathe, but I agree with your, what you're saying in the sense of everyone has their own sort of what they like about professional wrestling and what they don't like about professional wrestling. And each yeah. company provides something different and in different aspects of it. Uh, and so AEW is more of a fast-paced action where they don't necessarily let all the moves breathe like you're getting into the sense of, whereas WWE is let all the moves breathe. So it, it, it's it, for the most part. Uh, so it's a little bit of a compare and contrast. What do you like? What, what don't you like? But moving on with the card, uh, after the opening match, we had the Casino Tag Team Royale they did it Royal Rumble style, which I, I actually really liked where they had each team, uh, a new team come out every 90 seconds, I believe it was, and, or 60 seconds, and they had about 15 teams. So they had two teams start, and a new team uh, came in every so often, and you had to eliminate both members of the team. It wasn't like, oh, you toss out one team member, the other team member is automatically out as well. No, you had to toss both guys from a team for them to be out. Uh, The final five came down to Pac, Ray Phoenix, who make up Death Triangle, Frankie Kazarian of SCU, John Silver of The Dark Order, and Jungle Boy of Jurassic Express. Uh, It ended up coming down to Phoenix, Jungle Boy, and Pac. Uh, But in the end, uh, I forget what the final spot was but I believe phoenix came out on top he got death triangle a future tag team title shot so we are going to get ray phoenix getting another shot at the young bucks this time the aw tag team titles will be on the line and his partner will be pack uh, so what did we feel about that battle royal
2: Well, um, I mean, with most Battle Royals, and they kind of seem to make this a staple of their shows, um, I mean, I don't go into them expecting a whole heck of a lot. I just hope that they kind of do the job, offer a different kind of match, just mix things up on a pay-per-view, and I think they did exactly that. And I love the decision that they made giving Pac and Ray Phoenix uh, the win here and the future shot at the Young Bucks for the tag titles. Uh, I believe that the death triangle uh so those two along with penta are probably the most underutilized guys that they have on the roster i think we i might have even said this the last pod we did here each of these three guys could be the world heavyweight champion in my opinion and i wouldn't even bat i wouldn't even i wouldn't even bat an eye. like i i i would not even um i wouldn't even like like they're, not, they're all in the same tier in that in the world heavyweight title picture in my opinion at least as far as talent wise and the way that they're able to work uh, so i'm really happy that these guys are getting their chance at the tag team titles it's gonna be a fantastic feud because it's not the first time we've seen the young bucks kind of mesh in with these some of these guys um so i'm really excited to see what they can do going forward Thoughts on the battle royal. I believe he stepped out for a second, so uh, we can keep going unless that's him coming back right
1: now. Yeah, so let's let's move on to the AEW Women's Championship match. Uh, Hikaru Shida defending her championship against the winner of the Women's Championship Eliminator Tournament, that being Rio Mizunami. Uh, I didn't think she would be the one to win this tournament. but she's the one who ended up coming out on top and getting a championship match at Revolution. And although I was very confident in the the chances of Sheeta retaining, this match made me question myself and whether or not Sheeta was actually going to be walking out as champion. And for that, that's all you can ask for a championship match. Andy. And the amount of false finishes at the end of this match, the amount of kickouts at the end of this match where it was just what seemed to be finisher after finisher after finisher. So it was kind of like a finisher fest. And uh, I know we've talked about this in the past, uh, at least Nick and I have, where we're not really a fan of massive finisher fests. This one that, I wasn't that's just
2: the style. It's it's the Japanese strong style match, you Yeah, know what I mean? it's just what I, I, they do.
1: And I just I, I guess I wasn't pre- expecting a finisher fest in this one, and the fact that I got one with so many false finishes from both both wrestlers, uh I I was absolutely I don't want to say blown away, but I was pleasantly surprised by how well I
0: how much I liked this match. I did too and not to jump in before you, Nick, but I just wanted to say that, like, this match, the the length of this match could have either had me, like, really enjoying it, which I did, or being like, when is this going to be over? Just get me to the next one already. Like, this is this is boring, which it wasn't. And I think it goes to those two, uh, Sheeta and Ryu, uh, having good chemistry in the ring. It just felt like, yeah, whether it was the finishers or the running knees and the elbow strikes, like they they were really good and and I liked it too because again I watched uh, uh, Ryu. I'm gonna botch her freaking name. uh, uh, Mitsuy- uh Mitsunami. Yeah, Ryu Mitsunami. Uh, I watched her the week on uh, Dynamite the week prior when she uh, won the final leg of that tournament. I was like, okay, like I'm looking forward to seeing this lady wrestle again, and I guess. But I didn't. Obviously, I wasn't really in tune with like her history, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is actually pretty good. Like I feel like, regardless if she wins or not, it's going to be a good match, and it was. And yeah, there's a lot of finishers. Definitely, like don't love over usage of the finishers, um, for the most part. But I mean, in this instance, I I don't know. Like I was sold when I was watching it. All I can tell you is that. I was pretty much sold for the most part on all of the near falls. Like, oh, th- this one's going to be it. Nope. So if you can do that for me, I don't care how long your match is. I don't care who's wrestling in it, what their history is. Like you get that in a nutshell and I'm going to enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed it. Forget exactly what I said to you, Ryan, during that match. But that was one where I was like, I didn't like, I was a little surprised
2: at how much I liked it.
1: Hmm.
0: Nick?
2: Yeah, um, like we were saying, I mean, this the style of this match, I, I was a little surprised at the way it ended um, with all the finishers, but, I mean, it just made too much sense. I mean, these two, there, they had been showing prior that there's past history between these two, so I was kind of expecting a pretty good match or some good chemistry, and that's pretty pretty much what they did. Uh, it, there's There's been no secret about how the women in AEW have not, Um, or they've, they've progressed a little slowly as far as their matches. And I thought this was a step in the right direction for sure. I think, uh, Mizunami is a really good fit. Um, she offers a very different kind of style. You always see her very energetic in the ring, doing some, some crazy stuff that you probably don't normally see, uh, in the typical United States style wrestling, I guess you could say, or the American style wrestling, whatever. Um, so I thought it was a nice breath of fresh air. And uh, I hope to see more of uh, this kind of impressive match put together, what have you, um, with some of the other women that they have kind of not really doing too much right now. In particular, like Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, I want to see more of that because those two are phenomenal. Um, And it's not, not, not not a shot at Hikaru Shida, but I would like to see some other women get some shine. Cause I feel like it's just been all Sheeta all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see maybe more than just one women's match of a, a pay-per-view on like the main card really give some of these women a good spotlight to improve and to, to shine.
1: I agree. Uh, moving on into the, the meat of the card, the middle of it. Uh, next couple of matches in my eyes were kind of just filler. They were just kind of there to move along stories going on with the the show uh you had miro and kip sabian defeat orange cassidy and chuck taylor but this one was was really over before it began uh due to a backstage attack from miro and sabian Uh, i'm not really going to spend too much time on that one Uh, and then hangman adam page took on matt hardy In a stipulation match where the loser would lose their would would have to hand over their quarter one earnings to the winner, which is just an absolutely asinine stipulation. I I got it. It fits the story and the character of Matt Hardy, but who? I mean, okay, what what's going on there? Um, Hangman Page ended up defeating Matt Hardy with help from the Dark Order when Matt Hardy's uh, the private party running mates came out and tried to provide interference for Matt Hardy. Uh, so Hangman ended up with the win. I don't think much really can be said about these two just because, uh, I, I just not the matches just were kind of filler for me. Uh, would you guys agree with that assessment?
0: I yes ryan we were texting during the show i nodded off during the stretch because one i was tired as all hell but also yeah i it just they felt like filler matches when i was watching it and then when, when i went back to it as much as i could i i don't know like i'm not in, really invested in matt hardy's new gimmick or the gimmick that he's been running now for a bit i I mean, the the stipulation on the match didn't really have me sucked in anymore. Like, it felt like a – it kind of felt like a half-ass stipulation in my mind, although it goes along with the big money mat thing, and I get that. But, yeah, and the Kip Sabian and um, Orange Cassidy uh, match – sorry, Cassidy and uh, Chuck Taylor and Miro and Kip Sabian, yeah, I – I just, I haven't watched enough where that's going to be like, oh yeah, I'm actually, I can get invest more into this. And um, yeah, no, I, I would just say simply, I I nodded off for a bit during these uh, during these matches until we got closer to the main event. So I they, they didn't really uh, do it that much for me. Nick, you probably have better insight though.
2: Yeah, as far as the Miro uh, and company match, it just kind of feels like ever since Trent went down that they're kind of just using Orange and Chuck Taylor to kind of build up Miro because, I mean, why wouldn't you? So I kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing, but expectedly so it hasn't been anything very flashy and intriguing, not something that you're going to be super looking forward to. Um, and, again, I also understand why they uh, they did the little brawl before the match or whatnot backstage, you know, just trying to add a little spice to a match that they probably expected to be not bad, but just kind of there. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that Miro gets away from Kip Sabian and Pinel before because I'd like to see Miro – go on a little singles run and have, cause I mean, he's amazing. And I, 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 I love him. I've loved, loved him since he was Rusev in Vince McMahon's company. Um, so I, I'm really, I, I'm trying to be optimistic about his future there. And also I, I love Penelope Ford and I don't know why they don't use her more. I don't know if they think she's just bad, but, um, I would like to see her get more of a run than the one random title match she had, I think on like a dynamite or something. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I I guess I didn't really have a problem. It was kind of expected for me and with Matt Hardy and Hangman page, look, anytime Hangman page is out there wrestling, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, the guy is one of the best workers they have consistently night in, night out. Um, And again, Matt Hardy impressed me a little bit. He did his job. I liked the little gimmick. It was fun. Um, but I would like to see Hangman Page get a little farther away from his fun side and get a little back to being more serious and putting on some stellar matches and some like intense feuds. He's got that ability to really be a serious, intense wrestler when he wants to with that kind of character. And i like to see him do more of that going forward. And for like, like I would hang a Hangman Page mirror feud. It, it, it looks great in my eyes. I don't know what they're going to, how they would do that sort of thing. I don't want to sit here and waste too much time speculating, but um, those are, I mean, those are two guys I'd like to see get some good pushes going forward because I think they have big potential.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hangman, I don't think they are going to get the fun, the serious side of him anytime soon or at least as long as he's associated with the Dark Order. Right. Uh, I mean, he's not an official member, but he's more or less an honorary member at this point. It's only, it, it feels like it's only a matter of time till he, he, he takes the leadership mantle from that group, or maybe he just never does. And this is the slowest of burns that just never pays off. Um, that would suck. Yeah. And I, I think with orange Cassidy, I, I do understand why they're using him in the, in the, the rivalry with Miro Orange Cassidy is one of those guys where he needs to play off the crowd in order for him to really be hit his potential and his stride. And you've just seen that it's just the character just isn't the same without a live crowd. And so I think with all the, the stuff they did to build up Orange Cassidy uh, before the pandemic and, and in the early stages of the pandemic, and now they're trying to use that, shine that orange Cassidy had to sort of help put over other guys in a sense, not that orange Cassidy is losing the matches, but kind of put him in spots where he's not going over anymore. Uh, So that, I mean, it works. If, If you're preparing for a monster Miro build, then yeah, having him start by taking out orange Cassidy is a, is a good first start, but let's move on to the face of the revolution ladder match. It was a six man title match six man ladder match where the winner got a TNT title opportunity. Featured Cody Rhodes, Penta L Zero of Death Triangle, Scorpio Sky of SCU, Lance Archer, Max Caster of the Tag Team. Uh, I think that's the acclaimed. Yes, and then is. there was a surprise contestant or surprise entrant and it turned out to be former impact wrestling champion uh, world tag team champion ethan page uh who turns funny out uh turns that it's funny enough that he had a absolute killer feud with darby allen the current tnt champion back in their time with the evolve promotion so an interest interesting fun little surprise there in ethan page it was a good ladder match not great the expected bumps turmoil all sorts of chaos throughout the ring uh but there was and there were some really cool spots uh throughout the course of the match uh but in the end we saw scorpio sky climb the ladder face mush cody rhodes off the ladder and grab the brass ring to win the ladder match and earn himself a TNT title match that would come forth the following Wednesday on Dynamite. And We can get into that a little bit later. But how did you guys feel about the ladder match?
0: Um, I honestly don't have a whole lot. This is another one of those I just didn't see all that much of. So I'm just going to defer to uh, Nick here.
2: Um, okay, so this, I, this was another match that it just felt like it did its job, but it didn't do any more than that. Um, I was excited to see Ethan Page. Unfortunately, he had a little botch as soon as he got in, which was a tough scene. But he got his act together, and he was, he was just fine after that. Um, I was really impressed with Max Caster. I really didn't know what to expect with him in this match. I really don't understand what business he had being in this match, but the more and more I see him on my TV screen, the more and more I'm really liking what he's been able to do in the ring and also on the mic.
1: Um, <laughs> his so, uh, his little pre-match sort of raps are uh, quite interesting, to say the least.
2: They're very vulgar, like all the time. I'm surprised <laughs> they pass through like Tony Khan and get put on TV.
1: Yeah, that that's to say and that's an understatement to say the least
2: yeah i mean edgy in the highest amount so i mean i i I gotta tell you though i got one thing i got beef with in this match was the cody Rhodes injury spot bro Uh i am so sick and tired like with randy orton at the royal rumble and yeah i'm glad that they didn't have a win in that situation but i'm so sick of it what like what, why, why do they think this is a good, like, good idea or like fun idea anymore? Like, it's, it's not the same because with, without a crowd, I feel like it's kind of similar in the sense where him running back down to the ring after being hurt for so long, like, that's a pop. Without a big crowd there, it just, it, it doesn't feel the same. And it just feels like you got to have some industry awareness and kind of just, like we're seeing that almost, it feels like too often now. Also, like, I'm really sick of seeing guys just taking the whole entire match off. And the thing is, I was watching in the back because you could still see fucking Arn Anderson and his whole crew, like just peeking out of the corner constantly. That's, that's what
1: I. That's what I wanted to get at. And and I, am sorry to cut you off, but that was the worst part about this whole thing. Is if you're gonna the whole time, if you're gonna feign an injury. and and like the way that they did, and and bring him to the back to get evaluated. Take him off my screen completely. He just stood around on the stage and in, in the, by the ramp and through the tunnel. And he was on screen just standing around with the rest of his nightmare family cohorts for what felt like the whole time before he came out, came back out for the match. And I'm just sitting there the whole time. Like, why are they still standing around on screen? What, what this is the dumbest thing ever. Like the whole purpose of doing that sort of injury angle in a match in a, in a, in a ladder match of this nature is to take them off the screen completely and have them run out, run out back into the ring unexpectedly air quotes on unexpectedly, but have them come back later in the match to, to try and and pull a fast one. Like, and that was just not the case whatsoever. And it made absolutely zero sense. So with all the the great bumps and, and, and spots in this match, that one kind of took away a a little bit of the shine off of this match. It it could have been a great match, but that, I mean, with the botch that you said, and, and this just curious sort of injury spot here. Uh, it, it just, uh, just can't, can't do that. You can't do that. So let's move on. Uh, so next on the show was the announcement of the hall of fame level talent that was going to sign a multi-year contract with AEW. Now I know that we, the three of us had been talking about that in our group chat, about who it could be speculating could it be cm Punk? could it be brock lesnar could it be this could it be that and uh from what i remember in our group chat dan threw out the name of christian as a possibility like what would be the possibility of christian and nick said you said no chance in hell (laughs) and i said well he's already left wwe once to go to tna so you can't rule it out i certainly yeah. wasn't expecting christian yeah. but i wasn't surprised to see christian uh but so christian cage is now all elite
0: what are your guys' thoughts on that yeah i remember setting specifically because i had heard something and i said hey it is Christian, like, is he signed to WWE? Because I know he came out, you know, surprise entry in the Royal Rumble. He and Edge had that moment. We talked about that. I love that. You know, we all love that. But, you know, the question was, is he actually under contract? Did he sign anything? And, you know, we saw Kurt Angle post that, you know, trolling video that weekend too. And I thought, you know, it's got to be someone like that, you know, maybe a Christian, Kurt Angle, somebody like that. And then, and then, like, the rumors were getting a little ridiculous. Like, oh, what if AEW just opened up the checkbook and brought in Brock Lesnar? Oh, my God. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. But you know what? I think, you know, they hyped it up. And I don't know if they overplayed their hand a bit. Um, you know, I haven't read enough, I guess, in the community. But, oh, like, overall, as long as he's, like, a, you know, if he's competing on a semi full-time basis and he's not a squash guy, like if he's like legit, which I'm sure he's going to be part of, you know, everyday operations and, you know, full-time guy, then it's a win. It's a big win for that, for uh, AEW. No question.
1: Nick, what do you think?
2: Yeah. Well, despite the fact that I have to wear that L tremendously, which has just got me down bad, like humongously. Um, I, I am, I'm a little concerned. I don't know how he's going to look. He looked, he looked all right in the rumble, but like, can the dude wrestle like a full match, like a full 15, 20 minute match? Um, I I'm hopeful that since edge seemingly has shown that he can, that maybe Christian will replicate that as well. Uh, I really didn't want him anywhere near the main title picture and future dynamites, uh did not did not make me very happy uh with him pretty much eyeing kenny omega at least um but i don't know i i really i I really don't know what to expect i i don't i don't i don't really have too strong of an opinion yet Uh, it's i'm very um make me have an opinion at aws where i stand right now
1: yeah so here's where i stand with christian cage is he a hall of fame level talent? Yes. So they didn't lie in that. That's the sense of that, but this is a guy that made his name off of tag team wrestling with edge. Yes. He had his, his single runs and he is a former world champion, but I don't think he's a difference maker as a singles competitor. I don't think he's a main event guy on his own and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but past history says, He's just not a difference maker as a main event singles guy. If that's what you're utilizing him as factor in that he hasn't wrestled a match in years. I think it's been seven years since he's wrestled an actual match. That wasn't a Royal rumble appearance. And there's just a lot of questions surrounding this. And you see how they're, they're incorporating sting to try and elevate other talent, younger talent, not having him in really the title picture, even though he's in a program where he's tagging with the TNT champion. Uh, But to have Christian Cage essentially assert himself into the world title picture, like you were saying, Nick, uh, that's a little bit of a curious thought. Uh, I don't, I think it's far too soon for this. He's got to prove that not only can he work, but can he put together good matches And I I don't think you can just assert him into this spot uh, unless you really think that everyone's now tuning in to see what Christian cage does each week. I I, I just don't think you have that same impact with, with a sting. Uh, I don't think he brings that same level of impact as even sting does in, in sting's point of his career. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm in wait and see with, with you as well, but I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm not going to be surprised if I get disappointed.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: So let's move on to the semi main event of the card. It was a pre-taped cinema uh, style match. It was a street fight between Sting and Darby Allin. Against Team Taz's Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, uh, this was shot at like an abandoned warehouse. Uh, they had a bunch of of stuff set up between the ring. Uh, it, it it all looked pretty good. There were some curious camera cuts that made you go, "Okay, they maybe they're d- overdoing it a little bit," but for the most part, I enjoyed it. It. it It took me on a little bit of a roller coaster. And ultimately, Sting gets the pinfall victory over Ricky Starks, which I thought was a little bit of a shocker. But I guess they're trying to establish Sting, uh, I guess, as not only a guy that brings value outside of the ring, but inside the ring too. So uh, for what it was, I enjoyed it. Uh, But I'm curious to see if this is going to lead to Sting in an actual match, not just something that you can shoot and take hours with at a time.
2: Yeah, I mean, this this was my favorite match of the card, and it wasn't even really close, to be honest with you. Um, I really liked everything they did uh, with this cinematic match. I'm a big fan of cinematic matches, citing all the way back to that Undertaker, AJ Styles, cinematic match at WrestleMania that stole the whole damn card. Even that John Cena uh, fiend thing, was awesome. Um I I I like the way they shot everything. Uh I was the one thing I noticed so Darby Allen gets thrown into like a bunch of glass, like a, a, a old window or something. And like a minute later he's already back up walking over to like the like edge of the roof uh, the roof or like the top floor throwing a bat all the way down to Singo. it's was like you should not be up already. I mean, he got thrown into that So trail. so it-
0: it should have breathed
2: a little more, right, Nick? I mean, yeah, literally. I wasn't discrediting you. I'm just saying that I felt... I know, like I'm... I'm, company I'm Daria. But yeah, um, I hope that they're not trying to push Sting to have a ton of in-ring work. I feel like his role as Darby's plus one is very much good enough for at least me. I don't want to see him in the ring at all with anybody.
1: Yeah, Dan. What are your thoughts on on the cinematic match here?
0: Yeah, I mean, same, pretty much echoing what what Nick said. Like, I think a lot like what they did with the Undertaker in the Boneyard match. You were able to showcase like what Sting could do, and you were able to hide, you know, limitations. I mean, the guy's what sixty one years old now, and yep, you know, like you know, he can do the small stuff in ring when you got you know, uh, a big beef going on where, um, you know, he... uh Oh, my God, why am I blanking on the fucking move? Uh, the Stinger fucking... Splash. splash. Stinger Splash. That's right. Stuff like that. You know, he, he can do those kinds of things, you know, in Dynamite or on the show, whatever. But I have no issue with using the cinematic match to, at least, like, on pay-per-views to showcase him a little bit more in action as to Nick's point seeing him in ring you know I I don't know I mean they'd have to be super confident that it's not gonna look like an absolute shit show where where he he just looks like an old man that can't move um so yeah I did enjoy the cinematic match for the sole reason that yeah, overall, it, it had action. Sting didn't look old. And you're, I don't know, all the guys looked good there. I, I didn't think anybody like looked bad um, individually in the match. And I do think it's interesting having those two pair together. I, you know, I don't know. I would agree that Sting shouldn't be like a singles performer going for a title or anything. But at the same time, like, you know, You got him there. Who knows how much longer you have him. So I don't care how you use him in terms of uh, just getting usage out of the guy. Who knows how long he has left. So absolutely use him to try to get over people like Darby Allen. And I have no issue with that. Cinematic match was good. We'll see how much they go to that well. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe it's with as a tag team maybe he becomes tag team partner with somebody so that he he can be in tag team matches but he doesn't really have to do a heck of a lot other than maybe a hot tag something that limits that would be great yeah something that it's just really limits what he has to do and that way you still get sting in the ring but you're not Really putting much on his plate in terms of what he has to do in the ring, because otherwise, all I feel like you're just gonna uh, rise, rinse, and repeat with the way this Team Taz and Sting storyline played out. You're just gonna have Sting sticking standing up for uh, a, a young babyface talent. Some group or tag team is gonna try and take that that person out and Sting's going to stand up for him, and you're just going to spend the weeks and months leading up to it doing the same kind of stuff that they did in the lead-up to this match, just to do a cinematic match at the pay-per-view. Uh, so I, I just I hope that's not what they're planning to do with Sting and that they're going to try and mix it up a little bit, but the only way you can really mix it up with Sting is to add an in-ring element, and obviously at 61 years old, like you guys were saying, that's not really possible, so the only way to hide that is with tag teams. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the, the main event, and there was a lot to talk about here. The AEW World Championship was. I'm still th-
0: confused about this match.
1: <laughs> we'll get into that. Kenny Omega defended the world title in an exploding barbed wire death match against the former champion, John Moxley. There were three sides of the ring that were more or less wrapped in up in barbed wire and they had essentially some small c4 explosions tied into those uh more not really but that's what they wanted you to think uh kayfabe uh but there were also sort of three stages of hell on the outside uh, where they took barbed wire planks and put c4 uh in pyro sort of stanchions right beside them so that if a, if a wrestler fell into the barbed wire planks pyro would go off or ex- some sort of explosion would go off so basically if you touched barbed wire around the ring uh th- you were g- there was going to be some sort of explosion so they spent the whole match kind of playing around that trying to f- send each other into the ropes trying to send each other into the barbed wire uh plank set up around the ring and eventually we had the good brothers luke gallows carl anderson the impact world tag team champions come out and run interference to help omega out and there while there were some really good spots including uh, Omega hitting Moxley with a barbed wire baseball bat that had a tiny uh, that was cool. explosion tied to it. Uh, then there was Omega hitting his one winged angel finish on Moxley, and Moxley not really kicking out, but kicking the rope that had barbed wire attached to it and triggering an explosion to break up a pinfall rather than kicking out himself. That was a a nice little spot there as well. But ultimately, the the numbers game caught up to Mox, and Omega put him out in the middle of the ring with the one-wicked angel again to score the victory. But it's what happened after the match that had everybody talking. You had the beatdown continued of Moxley, and then this countdown. Welcome to the best day of the year. Draft day. Woo. Nice. Nice, Nick. <laughs> nice. All
2: right. So I'm going to cut you off here because I want to give you my thoughts because I need to head out. Um, so I'll, I'll just I'll wrap that up from where you got off. The explosion at the end that they were teasing for so long. I mean, what we had a couple sparklers go off, whatever they had planned to happen just absolutely did not happen. Um, and the match was great, but the very end really tainted the, the almost the whole entire show. Like, you have a guy, uh, as Omega joked about uh, on The Falling Dynamite, uh, 69ing him on live pay-per-view, and uh, just for some sparklers to go off, and you had to hope Moxley would save it in a, a video package after the show, um, trying to blame Kenny Omega for the bad, uh, for the bad explosion. This match, I mean the explosions were never going to be anything crazy. I didn't expect a whole heck of a lot, but man, they really blew it at the end because it, it it was it was it was a really gory match as expected, but I really felt like they blew it at the end. Um and it made it really affected the whole entire show as a whole. Um but on that note, uh I will bid you adieu and uh I appreciate you having me on for another edition of the Ryan's Wrestling Recap.
1: Of course, Nick. We'll talk to you down the road. But you Dan,
2: know. let me get your yeah.
1: thoughts on this main event barbed wire death match. Uh, what, how, how did you feel about
0: the way the match and what went down yeah. at the end? Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to you know, explosions or not, you give me some barbed wire, I'm thinking back to the Mick Foley days and whatever. I will eat that up. I will eat all of it up. I don't care, you know, how much the explosion sells me, whatever. But, you know, overall, the, the gore and the, and the bloodshed in that match was really good. I, I wish it got the payoff it, it deserved. And that's, like, my biggest thing is, like, it's, it's what sucks. You know, I really appreciate and I respect AEW shooting high the way they did. Like, you know, it, any of those matches you do, exploding, barbed wire, deathmatch, your Inferno, you know, match, you know, that we've seen with the Undertaker and Kane over the years and, and others, but, you know, again, you know, they are doing something with explosives that, yeah, it could go one of two ways, you know, you could get the payoff you want at the end with Eddie Kingston covering up Moxley dramatically, you know, the way he did. And it's like the only way it really doesn't pay off is if that last thing, you know, that last explosion is a dud and then it becomes almost you know comedic in a way of like wow he just like i'm gonna save you i'm gonna cover you up and then it's just like but i'll say this they were creative in that you know moxley you know saying oh you know kenny built a bad bomb or you know whatever all this stuff and you know to me i can i can get behind that level of like explaining away or whatever because You know, they even showed, I remember, uh, I forget if it was on Twitter or if if it was during dynamite, but they were showing like Kenny Omega had like a drawing of like the diagram of like Moxley getting exploded. It was like, you know, like stick figures and stuff, but yeah, you can almost sell that a little bit of like, Oh, this was Kenny's thing. And you know, he effed up and that kind of thing. Like, you know, if you can shift the blame a little bit past the buck, so to speak, uh, no pun intended. Um, and then, you know, that's fine. I can get past it. You know, there's still, a, you know, I say new. I know they're not brand new in terms of they just came out this year. But to me, there's still a new-er promotion that they're going to have to work out some kinks and whatnot. And, but I don't think it undermined the whole pay-per-view, like Nick said. But at the same time, it did give, it gave you a sort of a sour taste in your mouth at the end of it which you never want as as a fan of anything but I don't think it was bad to the point where I was like oh that that undermines everything I just saw maybe it undermined maybe it undermined some things during the match because you're like well this kind of unraveled things for me a little bit but No, I mean, it sucks. It happens, but you see it in wrestling all the time. Um, When you're trying to go for a high-risk, high-reward type of match, you're going to get that. I mean, it happens. And I'm sure it wasn't easy to even get to the point where they were at with that match.
1: Yeah. So my thoughts on this match, I I enjoyed the match from start to finish. But if you're going to... Advertise a, a, an explosion match, where you've got all these different sorts of explosions going on over the course of the yeah. match and post match, and you don't have a ton of experience doing these kinds of things. And you're essentially you're just leaving it up to chance because you're not sure how you may not may or may not be sure how your explosions are going to go off. Are they going to go off properly? or not Mm -hmm. when you're leaving a live pay-per-view up to chance and not just any live pay-per-view one of your four yearly pay-per-views and it's in the main event at right at the end of the show and you're just leaving it up to chance i feel like you're doomed to fail Mm -hmm. so what i would have liked to have seen them done in this situation is pre-tape it you, you, there's no, like, yeah. I understand that you would be taking away from the live crowd that was there because I know we've been saying that there's not really a live crowd there, but they' in in Jacksonville for AW, they do have about a thousand or two fans in attendance socially distanced. And yeah. So yes, you are robbing those thousand or two fans of the in-house experience by just playing a video on the on the monitor. Uh, at the end of the show but man that would have saved you so much trouble here because if this had gone down and you had pre-taped it you could have saved yourself so much trouble here and instead of becoming the laughingstock of the internet wrestling community you could have gotten the explosion that you wanted uh, and not have to try and explain yourself in subsequent nights and subsequent episodes of dynamite as to what the hell happened there at the end yeah and so i think this could have been easily prevented i know it was in a tough spot because you're already doing the sting cinematic match and you had that go on second to last which means you would have had back-to-back cinematic matches in a sense or pre-taped matches but even if it's you're not making that main event cinematic which i don't think they needed to it should have still been pre-taped because you cannot take those kind of explosions those kind of things to chance that's what they did they paid the price for it um because it like you said it left everyone a sour taste in everyone's mouth going when the show went off the air and that's just not something you want to do no so, what I, what I thought was, a, for the most part, a fantastic card. Uh, somewhere mm. between an A- and an A. It, it just that sour, just, just the ending. I mean, it took it down to a B-plus for me. It's not like a whole letter grade, but when you are hyping up this sort of match, and then you more or less F it up, I mean... Oh. And not only that, but you, you you mess up the explosion and then you make a wrestler whose job was to go down and protect his friend, sell a bunch of sparklers as having literally, <laughs> like, knocked him out cold. Yeah. That's just inexcusable. And I feel really bad for Eddie Kingston because that's just – that's embarrassing that he had to sell a bunch of sparklers uh, as having – literally knocked him out cold
0: yeah no that's 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 a fair point too i mean yeah you're in a tough spot there where he's covering up moxley and you're like oh geez but uh yeah so you so you said between a minus to a for the for the card so for speaking you know talk to me like i'm in gm mode and smackdown versus raw we're talking four <laughs> four and a half star for that for that uh card right I I would say so but I I think the
1: the stupid this just the the botch at the end of the show ultimately brings it down to like somewhere in that three and a half to four star range where you had something you really had something you had that four and a half (laughs) star out of five coming in towards that end and then you went ahead and you blew it and you handed away (laughs) a star or half a star whatever you want to you yeah. handed some back oh, yeah. at the end that you had already built up.
0: <laughs> I got you. I got you. No, I mean, to- totally fair. Totally fair. And you know what? Despite that finish, I, you know, I, it's not like I've been glued in it, you know, every Wednesday since, but, you know, I am keeping tabs. I am sort of keeping m- my feet in there. And, you know, I think that they're still on the up and up and there's still, so much room for growth for that company overall. So I think regardless of that finish, they're still learning and they're still working out the kinks. And, you know, I don't know, I'm enjoying it. That's all I know.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I'm willing to see how they go from there. We've had a couple of episodes of Dynamite since. We've had some, some good finish, some good uh, reveals. Uh, and so, not so much in inter- not so much great explanations as to what went down in that main event, but uh, they've explained it off uh, enough to the point where I'm over it. Uh, yeah, it 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 could have been explained a bit better, but um, what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm moving on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where AEW goes from here, as they are now heading towards their next pay per view, Double or Nothing. Uh, in May. Uh, they've got some time before that. So we'll see where they go from there. We shall. Uh, let's switch gears over to the world of WWE. This past Sunday, they had uh, their most recent pay per view. That would be Fast Lane, the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. And a little bit of a slow start to this card. Not going to lie to you here. On the pre-show, you had Riddle defend the United States Championship against Mustafa Ali, who's the head of the Retribution group. Uh, But after another loss to Riddle, looks like Retribution, uh, the group that is Retribution, will be no more as they have abandoned Mustafa Ali. So that's really all this match served on the pre-show. But uh, so Dan, do you have any thoughts about the fast lane card before? Yeah.
0: Well, I don't have a ton, uh, you know, again, you know, folks listening at home, you know, I, uh, I'm known as an old man and an old man at times will have some bowel troubles. And I've been dealing with that the past couple of days and kind of affected the fast lane viewing experience, but you know, what I will say is, is that, you know, there's some things that I like what they're doing. Like, again, I enjoy, uh, um, Mustafa Ali and Matt Riddle. Uh, I want to see them more. I mean, I, I, I'd like to, you know, I guess I have a biased view against Seamus. I'm just kind of done with that character. Uh, doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I, you know I don't know I, I just I don't have a lot of pressing thoughts about the card in general the Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton stuff was you know a little interesting but you know him you know puking up the black stuff and like I like again I like some of the ideas but I don't know like from what I've read and from what I've gone back to see it wasn't I don't know, it, it, it just didn't really do it for me in terms of um, like, oh my God, this, this is great. Like I'm, I'm into everything that's going on, um, but let's see. Um, but yeah. I mean, Ra- I hold mean, on. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, I was just gonna say, in terms of the stuff like the Randy Orton match, like I enjoy the attempt. And I enjoy, you know, using Bray Wyatt or The Fiend um, to just, again, be that mythical character and that mythical creature. But, like, I, I don't know. Again, like, I don't really need to see Elias and Braun Strowman. Like, I just – that match did nothing for me. Like, Seth Rollins and Shinsuke, I can get behind because, you know, we like Shinsuke. I think, uh, you know, it could be a <laughs> Shinsuke podcast if we had to be one. Um so, like, again, no holds barred between uh, McIntyre and Sheamus. Like, overall, from what I've read, because I like I didn't see the match from start to finish, you know, live. But, you know, I've seen some good reviews about it, but I'm not someone who is going to be sold on Sheamus being on the level of Drew McIntyre in t- 2021. I just don't – I don't see it. Um, and I know – obviously you got to shake things up Um, with McIntyre, you know, you can't have him going up against, you know, the same couple guys all the time, but uh, yeah. And then the main event, which was Reigns and uh, Brian. Yes. Right. Uh, Again, one, I wish I got to see start to finish if it weren't for my, my, uh, my ass, but uh, you know, another one where like, I'm happy to see that people like were again invested in the match with daniel bryan and roman reigns um i'm not the biggest daniel bryan fan but i'd be lying to you if i said he wasn't one of the top technical wrestlers like probably in the history of the company i mean he's really good he's really really good and reigns again i think reigns has come a long way in terms of like the uh, public opinion surrounding the WWE. Like there was a time I can remember where the dude could have cured cancer. And I, I you know, I, I hate to say that because he he had it, but I'm just saying a figure of speech. He could have performed miracles before and he would get booed by every single possible human being. So.
1: This is true. I don't know the, the 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 hardcore fans just hated that Roman Reigns was being pushed upon their down their throats by
0: WWE. I will give you that for sure. Yeah. And you know, I like the head of the table stuff. I like I like his character right now. And so, you know, there's a there's a couple matches like this one that I will go back to um on the network via Peacock. Uh <laughs> I <laughs> can't believe we have to say that now. <laughs> yeah,
1: gonna, gonna watch it on Peacock. We're gonna ride the Peacock, Dan.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. So there's a couple like that, you know, that I will go back to and rewatch it just so I, I have it fresh in my mind, especially going into WrestleMania soon, um, which I am really, really freaking excited for. You know, they're gonna have like half capacity fans, I believe, it's going to be pretty legit. Two nights again, if I'm not mistaken. It is. But, um, I don't know. I, you know, it, it could be part of it too. You know, I've been following along a little bit more on the AEW side, just in terms of like shit on the internet rather than the WWE. And maybe I, I need to balance that out a bit more, but, um, cause like, literally dude, when I saw Seamus was on the card, I rolled my eyes. Like, you know, maybe there's people that still really like him out there. I don't know. He just does not do it for me anymore. I just don't. I don't know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not into the character. And I, I feel like he fell off the face of the planet in terms of being in that kind of match. So, like, I don't know. In, in, in the weeks leading up to it, I don't know if they did anything in general to put him back there that is convincing. But to me, there's not much they could have done that would have been like, oh, yeah, bro no holds barred with McIntyre like lock me up I just I don't know do you feel different
1: so I I tend to agree with you on, on the point that Sheamus doesn't feel like he's on the same level as a Drew McIntyre or a Bobby Lashley right now uh, but he has been putting on great matches with McIntyre on Raw they had two matches where they basically beat the ever living hell out of each other. And that set up this kind of third and final no holds barred match on pay-per-view um, to sort of shut the door on that. But the problem with having Seamus in, in this spot is it's just not believable because he didn't pick up any wins. Uh, he uh, he's lost to Lashley yes. twice. Now he just lost the other night to Lashley on raw and he's lost to McIntyre multiple times now. All he's done is get the only times that he gets one over is when he attacks from behind before a match or in a backstage segment. Uh, it's, it's not, he isn't picking up wins in the middle of the ring against these top tier guys. Uh, and that's just because McIntyre and Lashley are on a collision course for WrestleMania. And, that sucks that they, Sheamus wasn't able to at least kind of hold his own from a win-loss perspective. But when that happens, I, I can't really I, – all I can you can do is try and enjoy the match as much as possible. I certainly enjoyed the pay-per-view match, and I'll get into that in a little bit later on. But... I had a, Yeah,
0: I had another question for you too because I saw this being reported, and I say reported. Like, I don't know if it's true or not, but um, apparently – is the main event at WrestleMania actually going to turn into a triple threat? Is that, is that real? Is that for the Universal title? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think it's with, yeah, the Ed- Edge and Roman.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and I'll get into the, the Universal title match uh, in more detail, but yeah. the way the match concluded and the way it, it, the show went off the air and it seems to be pointing in that direction that Daniel Bryan is going to find his way into that match and make ah, okay. it a triple threat. But that still remains to be seen.
0: Okay. I, I just figured I'd ask because I saw a blue check mark uh, tweet that out shortly after the pay per view ended. And I was like, wait, wait. And then I saw, like, you know, like Chase Stu from uh, 98.5 literally just quote tweeted that just saying lame
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah just because that i mean they've been hyping up edge and roman reigns i know spear versus spear as as the marquee match that's the first match that got announced for wrestlemania um so why switch it now right um but i don't mind daniel bryan being in it if he is in it especially when he the card that he's playing is the this could be it for me i don't know if i'm gonna have another wrestlemania in me you know i don't know how many more chances of being a world champion i'm I'm gonna have so damn it i'm gonna do everything i can to get into this match and be become champion one way or another like if if that's the the way they want to play that for daniel bryan and that's how he works his way
0: into the match uh so be it um but All right. we'll have to see. Just thought I would, uh, yeah, just touch up on that because I, I literally was curious about that. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know, you know, exactly how that w- would go down. But, I mean, I just figured I would uh, pose the question since I saw, saw it there on Twitter. And, I mean, obviously it makes sense. Again, another match I'm going to have to go back and make sure I, I get through before WrestleMania. But, yeah, no, I uh, always love talking to wrestling with you ryan and uh unfortunately got a bounce but we'll be back i hopefully uh you know we can talk some more coming up uh on wrestlemania soon
1: for sure appreciate you hopping on dan
0: anytime brother yeah
1: so let's let's recap we kind of nitpicked the the fast lane card with with dan there kind of bounced around across it so let's start from the the bottom and work our way back up to that main event They started with a women's tag team championship match between the champions, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler, taking on Bianca Belair, who's the 2021 Royal Rumble winner, and Sasha Banks, the current SmackDown women's champion winner. Uh, She's the current SmackDown women's champion. Uh, This match should not have happened, and it's not because it was a bad match. It's because they already did this match on pay-per-view. They literally had the same exact match at Elimination Chamber Back in February. Why they felt the need to run it back again, make with no different outcome makes no sense. I don't understand why you why they keep pushing this Bianca Belair Sasha Banks team, because it's stupid. It's it's very dumb. They the only thing that I will give them is that they keep they would mention how the only time tag team champions faced each other for another, a singles championship was for when Shawn Michaels and John Cena were world tag team champions and they faced off against one another in the main event of WrestleMania 23 for the WWE championship. So I I did appreciate that they were giving some context to why they might be trying to become tag team champions, but you had already done this match once before. And now you're doing it on pay-per-view and now you're doing it again. And the match was no different than the first time. And so I just, I I thought it was stupid. I thought it was a waste of time. You could have given another team a chance to shine on pay-per-view. It could have been a Natalya and a Tamina. Uh, Hell, it could have even been Naomi and Lana. They get their championship match finally. Uh, Or you could have given two other wrestlers a shot at it i don't know but have forcing the bianca belair sasha banks sort of smackdown women's championship feud into the women's tag team championship picture i just it just felt forced and i did not like it one bit uh the champions did retain and sasha ended up slapping belair for losing costing her the match even though It was more Banks' fault for the loss than Belair, but it appears that Banks will be the heel in that match and Belair will be the babyface. So we'll see. I I have my high hopes for it. Hopefully, this now that they can put the the tag team championships out of sight and they can focus on each other, uh, we can actually get this, let it breathe on its own and let it kind of build on its own. The next match was an Intercontinental Championship match between the champion Big E and his challenger Apollo Cruz. I really like the, the the character build that Apollo, the new Apollo Cruz. Uh, he's uh, uh, embracing his roots uh, from Nigeria. Uh, his he's changed his accent to fit that character, and this is something that Apollo Cruz has been missing his entire career. Is is a character he's always just got... It's in, in the WWE, he's just felt like that in-ring performer who can do it all. He, he's got all the in-ring talent in the world, but he has just no character. You just there's nothing to, that really appeals to anyone uh, character-wise. So he's just kind of the guy that uh, if needs to be putting on five-star matches in order to really get your attention. And he doesn't have he hasn't been doing that. Hadn't been doing that. Didn't really have that opportunity. To do those kind of things, so he kind of got lost in the sauce, lost in the picture. But now that he's got a character that he can get behind, and now he's got the opponent in Biggie. I really like what Biggie is is becoming here on his singles run as champion. This match was was nothing crazy in terms of you know good spots or amazing moments or anything like that. And the finish just really was not great. It was, it looked like a botched um, where some uh, Apollo was pinning Biggie, Biggie reversed the pinfall into apparently his own. uh, Even though it looked like both of them had their shoulders pinned at the same time. So that was a little funky. um, But the, so the match itself was okay, but I do want to say that I really like where Big E and Apollo are going with their characters. I think they have a sense of direction and I'm looking very much to see where they go from here. Uh, if it's a rematch at WrestleMania, I, I just, I need to see more out of them because character wise, they're, they're making me want to watch them. They're, their segments, watch their matches, but they got to deliver in the ring to seal the deal. And they just didn't do it this time around. But I'm hopeful that they will uh, the next time they square off for that title. Then you had Braun Strowman facing Shane McMahon, except Shane McMahon replaced himself with Elias. And so this just was a throwaway match. It was filler. There's really nothing to see here, nothing to say that needs to be said here. So I'm just literally going to move on because it's pointless. The next match on the card was Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. This was actually a a really good in-ring performance from both characters. You know, Shinsuke is coming off of his tag team run with Cesaro. They've now split, kind of gone their own separate ways, but they're both intertwined in this, sort of Seth Rollins ordeal where Cesaro is the main guy. Seth Rollins and Cesaro are feuding, but now it looks like Shinsuke Nakamura has problems with Seth. So maybe they're Seth uh, Nakamura is trying to stand up against Seth for his former tag team partner. I really liked the match itself. Um, But again, nothing really other than just good technical wrestling some solid spots across the board and a little bit of a back and forth towards the end. Um, There wasn't a whole lot to write off about how this match went. Rollins ended up picking up the pinfall with the stomp, Uh, but where this goes from here, I mean, I I assume Rollins is going to just go back to, is going to do his own thing, but Cesaro is going to be looking for payback after he got taken out by Rollins. And so you'll get Rollins and Cesaro at WrestleMania. Unfortunately, that means Shinsuke Nakamura is kind of on the outside looking into where he fits into the WrestleMania puzzle. Hopefully he can find himself a place on the card, but it might be tough if it's not uh, sort of finding his way into this Cesaro or keeping himself in this Cesaro-Rollins feud. So then we get into the, the main sort of the, the meat of the card. And this is where we get Drew McIntyre in the semi, what I'm going to call the semi main event, versus Sheamus in the aforementioned no holds barred match. I know Dan's out on Sheamus, and everyone is entitled to their own opinions. And I have already explained how I feel about Sheamus, but this match was a banger. They beat the ever living shit out of each other. And I enjoyed it. Yes, I don't think the, the match result was ever in doubt in this one. And they never really made me think that it was in doubt. So, but that's really all I can say in terms of uh, nitpicking on this match. I mean, they used everything kendo sticks, the ring steps, chairs, LED screens. Uh, I mean, the announce table, barric- ringside barricades. They, they, if if it was ringside, if it was anywhere in that Thunderdome, they used it against one another. And so I really enjoyed the physicality of this match. And I know that Seamus hasn't been able to pick up a win, and this was no different. But I really enjoyed this match, despite really never having a doubt on who was going to win the match. And so kudos to them for for putting on a a heck of a match here. Uh, Where Sheamus and Drew McIntyre go from here, uh, obviously McIntyre is going to be challenging Lashley for the WWE Championship at Mania. And this kind of leaves Sheamus in an awkward position, kind of like Nakamura, where it seems like two dudes have have this feud, have this match kind of set up for mania and they're kind of just on the outside looking in trying to see where they fit in to the card so i'm actually going to be interested to see where seamus goes from here is he gonna still be a thorn in mcintyre and maybe even lashley's side or is he just gonna move on and find some they're gonna find something else for him to do uh Going into Mania. We'll have to see. But I really enjoyed that match. Then before the main event, you had Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. I wouldn't really call this a match. Because there was basically no level of physicality. Because again, uh, WWE doesn't really allow intergender wrestling. Unless your name is Nia Jax. So you just got a bunch of theatrics. Orton was cursed. He hit, he was spitting out black goo again. This is like the fourth time it's happened. So that was kind of like, all right, here we go again, whatever. And then once the bell rings, you've got Bliss shooting fireballs at Orton across the ring. That was, uh, again, that's another repeat. So that was like, all right, we're doing that again. It was just... Basically five to ten minutes of Bliss playing games with Orton, dropping stuff from uh, the ceiling and other stuff. But then they get back into the ring after basically doing a lap outside of it and doing shenanigans and whatnot. We get back into the ring. Orton seems poised to strike on – finally get his hands on Alexa Bliss – and from the ring canvas, we see an, a hand breach out from underneath the ring and grab Orton's foot. And it turns out it is the return of the Fiend. The Fiend reemerges. Orton is terrified. He's seen a ghost. He thought he burnt the Fiend to hell. The Fiend is back. And the Fiend's mask is burnt. Looks like it's been also burned been burnt so i i I like that they didn't just bring back the old fiend mask that they acknowledged that he literally got burnt alive and he's wearing the mask that he was burnt alive in uh in a sense um but he the fiend gets orton hits the sister abigail bliss gets the couple the cover and that was it so the fiend is back that's great, but not in terms of the match, there was really nothing to see here except for the theatrics, the games, and whatnot, and the fact that we've got The Fiend back just in time for Mania, and it's all but certain we're going to get Orton and The Fiend at WrestleMania. And then our main event was for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defending his Universal title against Daniel Bryan. The winner going on to WrestleMania to defend that championship against the Royal Wumble winner, Edge, who was the special guest enforcer standing at ringside, which meant he basically had the ability to get involved in the match. However, he felt like, and that would play a big role down during the closing stretches of this match. From the start, you could tell Daniel Bryan was just trying to play mind games with Roman Reigns, basically poking fun at him and just messing around to the point where he you almost seemed like Daniel Bryan was getting cocky and, and overconfident. But he I think he was doing that from a psychological standpoint just to try and get in the, the head of Roman Reigns. So I, I, I liked the initial. It wasn't just like, oh, we're just going to lock up and here we go. Like they added a, an element to it and I, I enjoyed it. And then once, once the, the shots started going off it, they started going off. This was a, a great back and forth match that featured several different reversals, finisher attempts. I think Daniel Bryan locked in his yes lock submission hold four different occasions, but ultimately Daniel Bryan tried to hit Roman reigns with a, his running knee finisher and instead of hitting reins, hit the ref, which caused uh, allowed for a run-in. Uh, so edge had to step in and start doing refereeing. And obviously neither wrestler was too thrilled about that. Eventually Jay Uso gets involved with the referee still down and starts super kicking edge and Daniel Bryan to save Roman Reigns from the Yes Lock starts, brings a steel chair into the equation, starts ass- attacking guys with a steel chair. And that leads to Edge and Daniel Bryan coming back in, with their own steel chair assault. Eventually, that leads to Edge and Daniel Bryan getting, hitting each other with steel chairs. Edge ends up just literally losing it and just destroying both Roman Reigns and Daniel O'Brien with steel chairs, abandoning his position as guest ringside enforcer. So we got not the first ref, but a new ref comes in and it assumes authority over the match. Eventually after a couple, some false, f- false finishes, we do get uh, that main event spot where Roman Reigns ends up coming up with the win. Uh, it was kind of a weird finish, and that's kind of why you're having me stutter here because normally you would have one of the wrestlers hit their finisher to finish off the other opponent. In this case, Edge literally beat the ever shit out of both competitors with a steel chair, and Roman Reigns just happened to be the guy that got up from the wreckage first and rolled over into a cover to get the one, two, three, and preserve his championship. Uh, So a little bit of a curious finish here, but the key part about this is that going into the match, Roman Reigns made it a point to say that he had never tapped out in his entire career. And Daniel Bryan told him that he was going to make him tap out for the first time ever towards the end of this match. While the referee was down, while Edge was in a bad position, was trying to help the ref and get back into the match and assert himself into it, Brian had Reigns with the yes lock in hold and actually got Roman Reigns to slightly tap out, ever so slightly, but in a way that Edge could not see from where he was standing in the back uh, at ringside, uh, actually he was inside the ring and so by the time that edge got back into the ring he could not see it and at this point he was running on fumes because he was pissed so instead of looking for the tap out he just bashed the both of them with steel chairs ultimately costing daniel bryan the match and inadvertently handing it to roman reigns what does that all add up to it means that instead of the one-on-one match that we were talking about with Dan, we could see Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan, a triple threat main event for the Universal Championship. All in all, that Universal title main event was really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot, even though, yet again, I didn't think Daniel Bryan was going to win the title. They at least made me believe that maybe there was a slight chance at times at once or twice, but for the most part, I really didn't see it happening. And that was the case. So overall, fast lane was solid. It got off to a really slow start, just the really slow start off the gate. But once the, once we got to Shinsuke and Seth, things started to pick up. Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Slugfest, I love that. And then finishing with that universal championship match. So they finished strong after the slow start. Uh, I would give it a B just because you can't have half a show be just filler and not good content uh, in terms of the matches. uh, and, And expect to have a good grade at the end from someone like me or from a fan, from a fan's perspective rather. So I would say that this was a B card overall. C start, A finish. Uh, But where do we go from here on the road to WrestleMania? It will be interesting to see if that universal championship between Roman Reigns and Edge does become a triple threat involving Daniel Bryan. And it'll be interesting to see what, what matches main event night one and night two of WrestleMania. And it'll be interesting to see how the the two nights get filled up with matches, how the two cards end up shaking out. Uh, I'm interested to see it. I'm excited, just like Dan, just like Nick for the road to WrestleMania. Uh, But we'll have to wait and see for about two and a half weeks away from WrestleMania. But that's going to do it for this edition of Ryan's Wrestling Recap. Uh, Go... Check out the other podcasts if you haven't already uh, for the mouth and off sports family, that being the cool zone pod uh, the mouth and off show. And if they ever get their act back together, the Foxborough files, but for Nick Brown and Dan Sadik, I'm Ryan. And we'll see you next time. On this day,
0: I see clearly everything.